You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. From Providence, Rhode Island, inside the Minute with Mary studio, welcome to the Potterverse. It's a podcast dedicated to the book and film universe of Harry Potter. So grab your favorite wands and time turners and let's step into the night and pursue that flighty temptress adventure. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back. My name is Mary Larson. My name is Blake, and I've decided that McGonagall is sneaky cool. Like, welcome, like sneaky welcome cool. to being a fan. You know, yes, she I, I've is. always been a fan. I, okay. I'm never going to say that I wasn't a fan, mm-hmm. but reading this chapter, you know, she has that great. Uh, the have a biscuit. The have a biscuit. <laughs> the infamous have a biscuit Potter. Yeah, uh, and but then also too, she has that moment where she's like, "Oh, I found my, uh, I found our new seeker." Like back mm-hmm. in, you know, the the first book and mm-hmm. sneaky rebellious, sneaky. Yeah. I, I don't care what you think. Sneaky, like I, I don't. You know what? I don't care about the man. The man's got doesn't got me down. I'm gonna do what I want, and I like it. Like it. Not only do I like it, love it. Awesome. Well, I am here for that as well as are so many other Potter fans. You you pretty much took my quote away, so I just pivoted and found a different quote. Oh, no, 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 no. Go, no, go with the quote. I mean, no, because that's, that's really it. It's no, just, just go with the quote. Okay. Go with the quote. All right. Okay. Well, I'll give a little backwards then. Okay. Well, are you going to read it backwards? No. Just let me be. <laughs> Well, Just let me love you," said Mrs. P- <laughs> Professor P- McGonagall, rounding on him. "Is this true? Is what true?" Harry asked, rather more aggressively than he had intended. "Professor," he added, in an attempt to sound more polite. "Is it true that you shouted at Professor Umbridge?" "Yes," said Harry. "You called her a liar?" "Yes." <laughs> "You told her he must n- he who must not be named is back?" "Yes." Professor McGonagall sat down behind her desk, watching Harry closely. Then she said, Have a biscuit, Potter. (laughs) Have what? Have a biscuit, she repeated impatiently, indicating a tartan tin of cookies lying on top of one of the piles of papers on her desk, and sit down. Awesome. We all know the tartan tin of shortbread cookies. Oh, yes. And like in pure Scottish professor style, of course, has a tin of tartan. Of course she does. Shortbread cookies. 
I flip and love this. It, it's love probably it. her tartan too. Like it, I bet you it's like, oh, yes. you know, it's the McGonagall colors. I would love that for her. You know? And <laughs> I just love Harry's sure sense of like, yes. Yes, I called her a liar. <laughs> yes, I You know what I you need to that. do? It, you just need to change the name from Harry to Mary. Oh, is that what you were laughing? <laughs> yes. Yes. Mary, did you call her a liar? Yes. yes. <laughs> Mary, did you call her out in front of the entire class? Yes. yes. <laughs> Which I have done. Oh my god. Yeah, Mary. you're right. Oh my goodness gracious. You're right. When I when we tell you <laughs> that Mary is the most Gryffindor of Gryffindor, and we combined that with the most Taurus of Taurus. Oh boy. It's something else. It is something, man. It is something else. Well, on that note, let's get into the show. I solemnly swear that I'm up to no good. All right, friends. So this chapter is chapter 12 of The Order of the Phoenix, Professor Umbridge. Um, it start, it's, it's a lot. It pretty much should just actually be called the first day of school, in my opinion, because that's what happens. Fred and George get into, you know, their burgeoning business a little bit. We learn about the OWLs, um, the Defense Against the Dark Arts mm. craziness situation with Dolores Umbridge that we're going to be talking a lot about. And then, of course, McGonagall telling Harry, have a biscuit and you better watch your back. Yeah. Mary, why do you think the author or better yet, even the uh, the editing, the editors, really decided okay that this is where we're gonna go like this is the we're gonna call this we're gonna title this professor umbridge yeah. not yeah not september like 2nd day one or <laughs> first you know day whatever of class. like what yeah. first day of class of fifth year i th- well because i think you bring up a great point like this should be called like the first day of school it's or, a long chapter i'll yes. tell you this it, knowing that it's called professor umbridge and if you're rereading this and you haven't reread it for a while you forget how much takes place um Really, like listening to it on the Audible um, and then rereading it. So much happens here that isn't necessarily Professor Umbridge, but I would say that the element that is different for a first day of school is her. The rest of the teachers are the same. The kids know what to expect. They know, oh my gosh, like Ron says, this is the worst Monday ever. Like we know Professor Binz is going to put us to sleep. Snape's going to give us a lot of work. Trelawney, oh my gosh. Like they all know what to expect. And this is their fifth year being in school. They wake up, they get to joke with Fred and George. Um, So I feel like calling it the first day of school would have been a little monotonous and this almost adds the intrigue. Like you're reading so much, you're spending so much of the day and you know the unknown mm. is what this chapter is named after. And then of course, what causes the conflict. Um, I think that she is such a big enough deal that she needed to have the title named after her because we need to know, oh, you think this is bad? You think Bins is bad? <laughs> you thought Snape Just was bad? Just you wait. Oh, <laughs> you thought Trelawney was bad? No, 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 no. They ain't yeah. got nothing. Yeah. On her. So I think that that's why they chose to name the chapter. Yeah. One of the ideas that I have here, Mary, is that you said, oh, well, the kids know what to expect. And, you know, the the twins are preparing them and they know that Bins is going to be Bins and Trelawney is going to Trelawney and the whole thing. Yet throughout the chapter, I sense a theme of 
what happens when change is inevitable, right? What happens mm-hmm. when change is coming your way and you're not ready, yeah. right? Uh, and I and I ask that because, you know, I don't recall a first day of school in the Potter series quite like this one, it, meaning I don't know if the first day of school is is that big of a deal unless it was book one, right? As a reader. As a reader. Okay. Uh, and I mean, we have Gilderoy Lockhart. You cannot forget well, his oh, first no. <laughs> Free of, of class. Charge. Free of charge. <laughs> the quiz of like, how much do you know about me? Oh, I love that quiz. <laughs> Best quiz ever. I think I think Potter always being based in the school year. We do always have a big first day of school. Mm-hmm. But what I think is impressive about this thing, this year and this particular first day of school is that none of it's fun and that it just keeps getting yeah. worse and yeah. worse. Like there is no Hagrid to look forward to. There is no Gilderoy to laugh at. There is no Lupin to bring some merry magic. It's just a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And I got to tell you, it's the perfect way to start the school year for emo Harry year. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. he's, he's already gotten into a fight with Seamus, mm-hmm. wakes up, Seamus is, you know, hightailing it out of the, the room um, he's already feeling Ron and Hermione are nonstop bickering, yeah. and then he's got like the worst day of classes. So and he has to have Hermione even remind him, "Hey, we're on the same team here. Mm-hmm. Come on." Yeah. I again, I love this book because it puts our main character, that is Harry, in such a different place for his standing than what you would normally. I think experience with, um, especially in this kind of storytelling, uh, it puts him in such an odd place, mentally, physically, where he's almost his own worst enemy. Yes. Right? And As are we all when we're in really poor moods, right? Sure. When we are in severely poor moods where there are no rose-colored glasses, there mm. are black-colored colored glasses, um, you see everything in a poor light. Right. Right. And, and then when you actually have the facts to say, no, I didn't just feel like today was the worst day of school. It actually was. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> He's like, got nothing. That That's the difference in what I'm saying, right? Because normally your protagonist isn't going to be in at the beginning of your story, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't going to be in this place where everything is, is dark. Like, oh, I'm not getting along with these other people. I'm getting in fights. I'm seeing freaking weird horses <laughs> nobody else is seeing I, i'm standing up to the professor umbridge uh there's a lot happening here that has put harry in a sense of real um unease mm. and as a reader we should all be looking at this saying nothing good is coming in fact, it's only going to get worse. Uh, to make matters even more worse, in the Great Hall, the enchanted ceiling above them echoed Harry's mood. It was a miserable rain cloud gray. And I loved all of the different adjectives that the author has yeah. to describe Harry's feelings. I mean, I tried to highlight loads of them. I mean, he's gone. he goes from sarcastic and frustrated and irritable and it's like, there are so many descriptive words for each time that he speaks that you're able to feel it picking up throughout the day. It's yeah. no wonder he blows up eventually at Umbridge. Sure. Um, Especially but- when you have, 
like as he's walking through the halls, the Ravenclaws are cowering away from him. Mm-hmm. How awful must that be, right? And it's also, I think, building towards and validating what the hat was saying in the last yes. chapter. Yes. Right? Nobody is looking at each other with these supportive eyes and hands they're looking at i mean Harry. hermione is hermione yeah. even reminds him i mean she says um she reminds him his uh that dumbledore said voldemort has a gift for spreading discord and enmity 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 an enemy who I am i finding nemo what's going on <laughs> Enmity? Enmity. I did it. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> it's pretty great. You're basic. We can fight it only by showing an equally strong bond of friendship oh. and trust. So I love I love that Hermione is able to call that hey, out. How about the fact that Hermione can actually recall that word for word? Right? There, there, there's it almost makes you think like she has this really big superpower that mm. she can immediately recall things very quick, like a, a didactic memory. Yes. You know, I, I, very Claire Fraser of her. Uh, yes. Very Claire Fraser of her. Good job, Marvin. Uh, where's my, where's my button? That's the problem. There it is. Gotcha. And poor Hermione, she's just all going back and forth and round and round, not knowing what's up with the twins and dealing with this, like telling them what to do. And we get the great line by Fred saying, we feel our futures lie outside the world of academic achievement. <laughs> and George says, we seriously debated whether we were go- we were bothering to come back for our seventh year. So Harry's also got this awkwardness just to start early in the morning of like the lie that he has where he's like held, you know, given these guys this money. And mm. even his best friend Ron doesn't fully know. They talk a little bit about the importance of the OWLs. Yes. And the tests and how this is going to help determine what jobs you're you're able to do. And remember, these people are 15. And this, of course, lines up so beautifully with the testing that we have here, at least in the United States. We have, you know, SATs and ACTs. And that happens around, you know, your, your junior year. You start to have pre-SAT prep mm. and all these kind of things. So it's very much in line with the the age of the kids that would be doing these big monumental tests and it is stress inducing i mean we talk about um half of our year had minor breakdowns coming <laughs> up to the owl says george happily half it, of them it, i hate it, standardized tests i hate standardized tests like i get why they're a thing i truly i do because there's no there's no rubric right like you mm-hmm. There has to be some standard form of, like, uh, measurement, right? I, I mean, but because because not everybody can be you, you can't just give everybody all the attention that they need. You need to have some standard measurement. But the problem that I have with standardized testing is that it's just that some people do not perform well in that kind of environment, and as such, you may not be getting the best reading of that child or of that person mm. through that, that standard measurement. My best SAT score was taken, because I think I took it two or three times. My best one, I was essentially, 
um, high on cold medicine. I <laughs> had a massive like sinus infection and I was super duper sick and I didn't want to cancel it. You know, you pay, you have to do all this stuff. So I just took a ton of cold medicine, mm-hmm. would take the test. I was so tired and so exhausted from this medicine that I would sleep. You know when you'd get to the end of a part and yeah. you couldn't move forward? And normally, you're supposed to go back and double check your work. I don't think I, or, I, don't think I, I ever had that problem. Or people, <laughs> didn't, yeah, or people didn't make it to the end. I would get to the C, end. See, 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 see. And I took naps. During my my SATs, I would put my pencil down, took naps, and then when they said, okay, it's time for the next section, the person would come around and wake me up. And then I did my best in that test. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm like, oh, my gosh, everyone just needs to be super relaxed. Oh, yeah, man. Just, you know, come in and take some 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 barbiturates and have some fun. So we really start to feel the pressure, not necessarily in Ben's class, because Ben's class is just such a bore, yes. but we get to Snape's class, and Snape is a jerk with a capital J and in this chapter. great. It is oh, amazing. Slytherin. And I don't mean that to be mean, but I, I say that because the there, there's a level of expectation from the, our trio. Hey, you know, Snape's part of the Order of the Phoenix. Maybe he'll go a little bit easier on us. Maybe he'll he'll take things a, a little bit with a little bit more grain of salt here. And, and nope, nope. And it's the author's way of telling you just because there's a difference here, it doesn't mean that this person is going to change or evolve or whatever. He is what he is, and the children's relationship with, with him is going to remain as is. Yes. And even furthering that tension because the kids expected, the kids expected uh, a different relationship. So it's a shock to not only the kids but to you as a reader as well. Yes, love it. Love, 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 love. Oh, we forgot Cho Chang. Cho Chang. Okay, yes, we know, we know. Like, um, she has now come up to Harry again, trying to talk, and Ron ruins it now. Not Neville. Not but Neville. The stink sap. I got I got to tell you I you know I I imagine that Ron is I don't know I don't know this but I imagine Ron is probably gets some hate for this scene because he's basically calling He's basically you. He's basically calling a girl out for liking sports. No. Yeah. I wouldn't say that he's calling out a girl for liking sports. I think it is like No, no, it's like you're not a real fan. So yeah, not yeah. you're I a mean, pink hat. She, no, she's 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 a Quidditch player. I know, and it's well known. I think it's more Ron thinking that lots of people are now f- fair weather fans. Yes, and that she's now come. I wouldn't say that it's a girl thing. If you think people might have hated on him because it was a girl thing, then that's different than I've seen. Well, all right. So you know, in Boston, we have a phenomenon here, and it's called the pink hat phenomenon. Yes. Okay. And it started back, actually, Mary, when you and I were in college. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Red Sox, finally, Mm -hmm. in 2003, were good. And this was after years and years and years of just misery. In 03, they were one out away, or a few outs away from getting to the World Series. And then in 04, they were going to the World. They went to the World Series and and then won. And then during that time period, 
like during those playoffs, especially after they had beaten the Yankees and come back from Mm -hmm. a three-game deficit, something happened. Marketing happened. (laughs) The marketing engine for the Red Sox took off. Very smart. Not going to lie. Very smart. They started putting out hats. All sorts of hats. But one hat in particular. And it had the Red Sox logo on it. And one hat in particular came out, and it was a pink Red Sox hat. Yep. And then all of a sudden, every single girl in the Boston area, in the in the Boston area, in New England writ large, owned a pink freaking Red Sox hat with a white B. No, if you're watching. If you're watching, no, yours is not what it's supposed to it's look this. like. No, your no, no, it's blue, hat, red, no, and white. That's not even blue. That's gray with sweat and gross. Blue, red, and white. No, that yours is not a good. <laughs> since <example>. then, <laughs> since then, they they became a, a big part of the 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 lexicon in the area just because it was like oh, a bunch of people all of a sudden decided they were going to like the Red Sox mm-hmm. and it was the cool thing to talk about and. And that kind of ended up happening with the Patriots, too, because they both had this resurgence right around the same time. And then he had a bunch of pink hats for the, for the Patriots. And now anybody that just comes in because, oh, it's the cool thing to do, we're calling you a pink hat. You're a pink hat. So what I mean is Ron's calling out Cho for being a pink hat, essentially. And I'm saying I don't know if Cho is a pink hat. She might be a pink hat. She's she may not, not be she a pink hat. She says she's been a fan since she was six years old. That's what the she pink hats herself- say. <laughs> you want to know something that's going to ruin you? I've known this team know since they were six. going to ruin you? What? I owned a pink hat. Of course you did. See? Of course. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, my God. If and this anybody. Is why, and this is why had we met... Oh. In college, we would not be the Marion Blake that we no. are today. If I see oh you gosh. with a pink hat. Oh, I just would have found you so arrogant and rude. Wearing a pink hat. I still do, but I love you at least. <laughs> <laughs> you tricked me. <laughs> Can't believe. You, you imperioed me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pink hat. Yes. No. I think it's great. Forget away your team's Cho colors. Is not... Wear the team's colors. Cho Chang. No. You want to know what the Red Sox even did? They even made like Harry Potter themed hats. Yeah. So... They did. You want to know why? Because they're so bad right now okay. that they need these gimmicks. Anyway, they made Bobby uniforms. We are going to move on because Cho Chang <laughs> is a real fan. Well, what, Ron, my whole point was this. You're being Ron. I, I, you know what? I'm not saying that Ron is right, but I do have to say. There's room for him to be right. There's room there. I think Ron would have noticed. She probably had that badge on for years, and he's just too blockheaded and too busy eating mashed potatoes <laughs> to notice that Cho Chang had this pin on forever. Also a very, very valid point. <laughs> oh, goodness me. But, okay. you know, Harry can't catch a break. Kid, kid can't catch a break. Though he does recognize, oh, yeah, she doesn't hate me. Hmm, Interesting. Nice little nice right. little bit there. It is a nice bit, Blake. We're moving on. Okay. We go to the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom. And yes. Professor Umbridge, once again, um, she's seated at the teacher's desk wearing the p- fluffy pink cardigan of the night before and a black velvet bow on the top of her head. Harry was again reminded forcibly of a large fly perched unwisely on the top 
of an even larger toad. All I can picture is Mike <laughs> Pence with the fly on his head. <laughs> so picture Mike Pence in a pink uh, cardigan. For our long- younger listeners, go Google Mike Pence. Fly. Fly. <laughs> it was something that happened in a presidential debate in what, 16? I don't even remember. I think but it was then 16. I watched the SNL thing about it. Oh I mean, my it, god! I will never think about a fly in somebody's head without thinking of this moment I, of I, <laughs> television gold. I remember watching that debate with you. Be, oh my god! <laughs> Somebody, please tell him that there is this giant black fly on a bed of white silver hair. So just, just my friends, think umbrage. <laughs> Because um, that's what it, that's what it looked like uh, to Harry. No matter what your politics is, you could look. You, you just have to laugh at that. You so have to. Here's here's what's so tough is that um, Umbridge goes on her little her talk, of course, um, about how the defense against the dark arts classes have not been up to standards for quite some time. Yeah, fact. Yeah, I was gonna say, is she fact. wrong? No, no, and, she's and not this wrong. Is what's so hard is that like. Much of the speech isn't necessarily wrong, isn't necessarily bad, but... The execution yes. is not great. And then how she treats the children who are asking about it, not okay. And of course, not we great, know that Bob. she's bad news. Right. Um, you know... The, I, I, one question I do have for you. constant changing of teachers, many of whom seem not to follow the curriculum, showing unforgivable curses, doing the unforgivable curses on you. Uh, but then she does get all sorts of racist and starts talking about how one of them uh, was extremely dangerous half-breed. Yeah. So that is not okay. Um, she's she's She says some things that aren't technically wrong. Yes. But... We are taught to be very wary. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, since we're definitely in in Harry's perspective, and and in some cases, I would imagine Hermione's perspective, there's a level of distrust there. I mean, just right off the jump, right? I mean, we have the fact that Hagrid is missing, uh, and we don't know why. Could it be Umbridge that ha- that played a part in it? She's already. In, uh, interrupting Dumbledore in a, in a very peculiar way. She shows up here. All the kids have to say good, you know, good afternoon, professor or whatever it is in unison. And then she's dropping all of this. Immediately, there's going to be some sort of distrust. Mm-hmm. The, the the thing that the author does, though, in, in that in that smart is she does root some truth into the distrust. Yes. That is Hermione saying, you're setting us up to fail. Mm-hmm. You, we're not going to do any of this stuff live time and then all of a sudden at the end of the year, yeah, at the first time, that. oh, is it, yeah, it's sorry, Pavardi. Pavardi says that. She yeah. says, without ever practicing them before, Pavardi said incredulously, are you telling us that the first time we'll get to do the spills will be during our exam? Yeah, it's, it's setting the kids up to fail. And it's not wrong. I mean, no. do you agree with that sentiment? Oh my gosh, no! It's completely, completely wrong. I think it's unbelievably bad. Yeah. You know, and Mary too. Another thing that you have to consider as well in all of this, where you know they're, they're altering the paths of each, of these children and how they're setting them up for failure, right? Mm-hmm. By by making 
them th- face these choices of not doing these practical spells. You know, ultimately, it kind of shows you, um, at least the mindset of the ministry, uh, and I think in particular Fudge, right? Okay. Right, because he's the one that I think is behind all of this, right? And he's doing it just so that he can keep power over all of these people. And it shows you that he's willing to, I don't want to say sacrifice these kids, but willing to put them in a far less powerful position than they probably would be able to do if they just had the normal education that they were supposed to have. I mean, I wouldn't really necessarily put all of this ownership on Fudge, I would put a lot of it on Umbridge herself and her abuse of power. I see Fudge, honestly, as being really dumb and overwhelmed. And I feel like a lot of these choices that Dolores makes are her own. So then what do you think is the reason, right? Because it's great that we have this choice. It's great that we see the, Hermione and Pavardi and uh, all of these people kind of rebel against, mm-hmm. including Harry. But if Fudge isn't the one that's behind it for the sake of his power, what then is the motivation of the choice? Why? Right. That That is the most important thing we can all answer as storytellers or as people that are watching movies or reading books. Why? I think Fudge is afraid. I think Fudge is jealous of Dumbledore and his brilliance and and his potential for power. Um, So I think Fudge is very afraid of the unknown. Sure. And, you know, whether or not he makes every single one of these decisions that Dolores Umbridge plays out is where I'm saying I think she does a lot of this herself. I definitely think he said we need more control. We don't have a good handle on what's going on at Hogwarts. And I feel like she raised her hand and said, I love education. I love schools. I did my senior thesis on <laughs> you know, curriculum writing. Like I feel like she took the the initiative to take it steps further. But I think this is based out of the government as a whole's fear and trying to control what they think they can control Fair. while this unknown is out there. Right. But um, I, I think you answered the question in a very interesting manner. Oh. That being... Didn't mean to. Well, no, no. uh, (laughs) I think you did. Uh, That being, when I asked you, why is Fudge wanting to do this? You said, well, I I don't know if it's Fudge who's doing this. I think he's kind of dumb. I think I put more of it on Umbridge herself. So I guess my follow-up question to you, Mary, is why, then, is Umbridge making this choice? Like, why is she choosing to not have the kids do the things that they need to do? Why is she taking such a a, a controlling role in the dark arts class? Once again, fear-based, right? Plus, um, okay, so let's pretend. Let's ignore what we know about Professor Umbridge. Sure. Okay, let's pretend that she actually is a good person. We know she's not. <laughs> we know she's not. But... Imagine that she is a government official who has been tasked with keep some, you know, go go check in on Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. We've had these reports. A kid just died. They The last year, their professor was actually someone who it wasn't. There's, there's chaos. 
There are probably parents who've been writing to the government saying someone died. Mm-hmm. My kid was taught by a criminal. The like, year before, I think they said he was a werewolf. What has happened to Gilderoy Lockhart? Where <laughs> where <laughs> like, Quirrell go? Where's Quirrell? Like, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Because remember, the parents, like, we don't hear about family weekend, okay? They're not no. there having a, a presence. We, we don't necessarily hear about them coming to all the Quidditch matches and, like, having tours around the school and seeing everybody. So there is a lot of unknown. Mm-hmm. So I feel like there have been plenty of scared parents who've been calling into Hogwarts and when they don't get the answers that they want, because Dumbledore probably's voicemail is full, you know, you know, he just <laughs> he leaves it does, at full. Yeah, he, he does not check. No, there's no deleting no, his voicemail. No. None. So they've been contacting Fudge and the stack of howlers on his desk from angry <laughs> parents who were like, what do you mean a kid died at Hogwarts? Mm. What is going on? How in the world was a 14 year old allowed into the Triwizard Tournament? Why were there four kids when it's called the Triwizard Tournament? Mm. What is going on? Mm-hmm. I think Fudge is like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. It needs to stop. Yeah. Something is going wrong. So once again, pretend Dolores Umbridge, we don't know is bad. She says, I like school. I like order. I'm all about this. Let me go in. I'd love to put some systems in place. I'd love to, can I do evaluations? I. Who knows if they're having evaluations? I can go in and see what's being taught. I can then report to you. I, I've always wanted to be a teacher. I can be both. Mm. She goes on in, sees what the kids have been taught, Imperious curses, taught by a criminal, <laughs> werewolf. <laughs> Gilderoy Lockhart, let's be real. Yeah. Free of charge. His class sucked. Yeah, they did totally. not learn anything in there, really. Cornish pixies. Yeah, good luck with that. And then Quirrell. Yeah. Bippity boppity, boo, where'd you go? <laughs> Drinking some unicorn blood. So, yes. <laughs> so she comes in and looks at the previous, you know, report cards, course curriculums, and is like, holy smokes. This would be like going into a fifth grade classroom and finding out the kids don't know how to read. <sighs> Interesting, Mary. Okay. Sitting down. I mean, truly. W- what in the world is going on? Oh, it's it's essentially like teachers put movies on for them. Oh, yeah, they watch Sesame Street. Yeah. <laughs> they learn. And then, um, you know, last year's guy, he just acted out Shakespeare plays. That's kind of teaching. <laughs> Violent, yes, but still kind of teaching. Uh... So she comes in, once again, different universe, pretend she's not bad, sees the lack of curriculum, sees the lack of essential building blocks Mm -hmm. sees the terrible things they've been taught and she's like we gotta start at square one Mm. Uh, let's be real good point like what the what in the world so is is she wrong in any of this like yeah again we've talked about the execution but is she wrong here's where she's wrong the fact that she's saying you will not need to practice any spells that's wrong And why is she saying you will not need to practice any spells? That, right now, in my opinion, is out of fear. Because she's like, these people have been taught by, uh, in her words, a half-breed. And by a crazy, deranged, Azkaban convict. Yeah. And by Gilderoy Lockhart, who's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Mm -hmm. So... Here she is, probably also saying, I don't want 
I don't want them to practice any spells on me. <laughs> Look kid, at the other guys. <laughs> kid, some kid died last year. Yeah. I don't know how he died. Sure. Yeah, look at the other guys. Gilderoy's still in St. Mungo's. Yeah. We still can't find Quirrell. Yeah, Juan's away. Thank you very much. Juan's away, well, far the, away. But there's even here, Mary, some textual evidence where she says you'll have enough, the, the, the ministry believes you'll have enough training where you won't need to practice. Yeah, that's not. The, the training is good enough. That's where I draw the line. And I would agree with you. Um, and to me, that is reflective of somebody who kind of, who kind of uh, <laughs> who kind of farts and thinks it smells good? Mm, yes, and right? then and then and that's where it goes downward. When Pavardi stands up and says, "No, no, 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 we need to we need to be able to do this before our test," right? And that's where she says no, and then that's where Dean and Harry lay into her, and right. from that moment on, there's no going back. You're calling Harry Potter a liar. You're saying this in front of his his class. All hell breaks loose. From here on out, you can't say that she's a good person. I would but agree. prior to her saying, you will not need to use your spells, I can appreciate and see how that could potentially have made sense when she pitched it to the board at mm -hmm. the Wizard Newmont. Yes. So I think it's an interesting question, right? I don't think it's right. I think she should have come in and said, let's talk about what we have learned. What have you learned? Sure. What did you find useful? What did you find a little scary? Mm -hmm. What what holes are we missing? Because it's your fifth year, it's your OLW year. You guys pretty much have learned nothing. Yeah. <laughs> nothing that counts for your OLWs. Because um, you know the unforgettable courses are not on the OLW test. No, they're not. No, I feel okay. like those are extracurricular, so, if you fourth will. Fourth year, gone. <laughs> Thank you very much. Probably what Lupin and Quirrell taught them counted. So they probably got like a year, maybe a year and a half's worth of class. Fair. Fair. I feel like Quirrell actually taught them some things, scared as he was. And Lupin taught him things, but Lupin was out, ooh, you know, half of the time. <laughs> so so here's the next question, though, yeah. Mary. That This begs this question. Bring it. If they're already behind. They're super behind. Okay, fine. It's like they're the COVID class. They're okay? definitely the COVID class. And uh, those of you still in school, you know what I'm talking about? Those of you who have parents who have kids in school, we know what we're talking about, okay? Yep, you're the COVID class, okay? They're already behind as it is. And yes. then you set them up for failure on top of that. How? By making it so that they don't practice their own spells, which is required for them by the OWLs. Exactly. That's that, that's where I draw the line, like I right. said. Right. So my... my she my, could have had an easier time just saying, we're not using wands today. Hey, we're just we're gonna get to know each other. Yeah, let's let's just put the wands down for today. Let's worry about the wands when we gotta worry about yeah, them. Yeah, you know. Let's see what's going on. Uh, I guess my thought then is she went into the year mm -hmm. with a plan in mind. Yes. Irrespective of whatever she found at Hogwarts. Yes. Right, because it doesn't seem like she is willing to. She's willing to learn anything she went in guns blazing right with like, her own priorities and in, in mind right yes. and if that is the case then that means we have a direct connection to the ministry and thereby fudge and to me fudge is the one what what why do you keep holding a screwdriver i don't know i, got, I gotta have like a, a thing that i that i fiddle okay, with okay well don't do it with a screwdriver all right fine um, do. <laughs> <laughs> to me fudge is the one that is in control of it all and that means 
since he is willing to put these kids behind the schneid here, that means he's trying to even mean behind the schneid. It just it puts him behind the ball. Like it, okay. you know, it, it it sets him up for failure. And he's if he they've wants already him, been behind the ball. I and he's he's exacerbating that even more. And if that's the case, that to me exhibits his willingness to not do what's best for these kids, but what's best for him. Yes. Right? And what's best for him is our subservient kids, uh, uh, an entire generation of kids that think, wow, Fudge is, he's the man here. And, well, how about and this too? nobody listens to anybody else except him. How about this? We know, they know that the Death Eater's been running around causing chaos, right? Mm-hmm. They've got more than enough bad guys in Azkaban. Maybe also they think if we don't teach them the bad stuff, they can't do it when they grow up. Yeah, that, and but that that again also. Uh, yeah, no, I I'm here with you. Yeah, they're they're bad. Yeah. So and but the other thing too, Mary, on the other side of this coin, is the author. The author is not telling you straight up that umbrage is bad necessarily fudge is bad necessarily because you have to read between the lines what the author is telling you though is that and this is through mcgonagall's voice is if you're gonna be a disruptor disrupt a certain way right don't just come kicking doors down why don't you learn the politics a little bit, play the game, play the Game of Thrones, if you will, okay? And and then you can have a cookie. <laughs> um, that is I, uh, uh, a, a terrific thesis about how to operate within the wizarding world. And if that's the case, that in and of itself, in and of itself says a, not a lot of good things about the wizarding world. If mm-hmm. If... That's what we find in book five, my love. I'm glad yeah. you got to that conclusion. No. I, There's dark things out there. <laughs> it's wicked the dark storm's out there. coming. All right, uh, Marvin, you got anything else you want to say about this chapter? Mm. Interestingly enough, during the class, like having their outbursts, mm-hmm. it's obviously mostly Harry and Hermione. Ron says, we're not going to use magic. Ron ejaculated loudly. <laughs> Interesting choice. Interesting choice, author. And that's all he says during uh, all of this. So I found it quite interesting because Ron is such a loud mouth and, you know, gets all into it. Yeah. That is what he does. Mm. And I wonder if that was on purpose because I then, as wonder. I said, Dean Thomas gets into it mm-hmm. and... He he's speaking up quite a lot. Then we have Hermione back in it, and Potter's back in it. Then Pavardi gets into it. And she's mm. all huffing and puffing. And Ron so far still has been quiet. Mm. So, would you have acted like Harry? Yeah. Would you like like talking out to the professor like that? Yes. Man, I don't think I would have. I would have. I don't think I, I got would've. kicked out of Sunday school class and told the teacher they needed to reevaluate if they were going to heaven. <laughs> Fun fact, I was raised in many different churches Mm -hmm. and ended up in a church that this denomination said that Catholics are going to hell. This not, no, this particular church, this particular Sunday school teacher Mm -hmm. said that Catholics were going to hell because they prayed to Mary. Nice guy. Yeah. And um, (laughs) most of my family is Catholic. Yeah. And so I just had an aunt that passed away. And I said, well, what about Mother Teresa? And they said, Mother Teresa equals Catholic equals hell. 
And I said, if you think Mother Teresa is in hell, you need to reevaluate where you're going. <laughs> yeah. And guess how old I was? 15. 15. Oh, that a girl. Yes. Get those hormones raging. Oh, I was done. Oh. I was done. <laughs> he didn't like me because I asked questions like, oh, what about, you know, say, say there's like a wonderful child who's like grown up and they never heard about, about this faith and- um, you know, say they lived a really good life and they just never learned about this. And they say, we're sorry, silly equals hell. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. My hormones are about to oh. explode. And it was, and then it was that. And I, I just lost my Aunt Marge. I had an Aunt Marge. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I, I just lost her a little while ago and mm-hmm. I just couldn't take it. So he, <laughs> he stood right up. He told the whole class to stay seated. He stood right up and he went, interrupted church and got my parents out of church. Nice. He told them I couldn't come back to Sunday school. Nice. They were pissed. I'm sure he had that authority too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean. But I knowing just, your parents, they'd be like, oh, okay. All right. Oh, no. They were, yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they were very they, upset. <laughs> they were very upset. They were like, what did you do? He said you told him he was going to hell, and I was like, "Not exactly, kind of, not really." I was more; it was more implicit. And they were like, "You said you can't go back to Sunday school. What are we going to do with you?" I was like, "I don't know. Keep me home. Not my problem, man. <laughs> Find a new church." And then once I told them what he said, yeah. they agreed that it was yeah. okay that I said that. Yeah, but they were mortified. Oh my god! Came in your teenage daughter. Nice. Told me I'm not going to heaven. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, no, I would 100%. I mean, hello. Harry saw Cedric die. Like, yes. 100%, I would be standing up. Like, 100%, I would have done this. Yep. yep. All right, you got anything else you want to say about this chapter? Oh, I thought it was just interesting about Ron. So no, no, I know. I agree. I'm just saying. Do, do you want to. Peeves you a, being a jerk. Yeah, Peeves. Crackpots feeling cranky. Ugh. Oh, out on goodness peeves. gracious out on peeves and then yeah like you said um mcgonagall saying that the ministry's interfering mcgonagall knows what's up all right uh you ready for a different perspective okay let's do it holy cricket you're harry potter i'm hermione granger and you are I'm Sybil Trelawney. Sybil! Hi. Hey, you know, I thought I smelled some incense. What are oh, we doing you're welcome. Here? You're welcome. May it raise the vibrations of this room. <laughs> you're going to have a great weekend. I oh, tell yeah? You that. Oh, yes. Oh, oh. yes. I, I, I don't I, even want to say I hope you have a good day because I know you will. <laughs> you want, know. Do you want to tell me why I'm going to have a good weekend? That's for you to find oh, out. Oh, the and, and for you to know? magnificent. Oh. Oh, gotcha. What okay. I can tell you, okay, yep, is that standardized testing, mm-hmm. yep, isn't necessarily mm-hmm. important for divination. Uh huh. Yep. I myself, for example, <laughs> believe it or not, uh huh, did not perform well. No, on my OWLs or N newts, N E W T S. I refuse to believe that. I felt like it would be unfair. Uh huh. To use my seeing eye ah, to get yes. all of the answers correctly. Yes. Well, you so know. So I, mean, I figured I would just. I know. I know where my strengths are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I don't need a test to tell me that. No, no, because you already have all the answers. You I don't need do, no tests. I do, and so you know, it's really important for my students <laughs> to understand. You yeah. know. Th- the divinity and understanding the dream interpretations and just you know sitting. 
Lots of sitting. Hey, can you tell me your 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 thoughts on mm. on Umbridge and mm. the vibe that she's emitting, if you will? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. What do you got? Mm. Them. That's an interesting vibe. Yeah. Very the the vibe. The vibe. Is it? Is it? Is it? Vibrating. Like, is how about it? you have some tea leaves? Why okay. don't you tell me what you see? Here's yeah. a book. Why don't you interpret? Uh, well, it says <laughs> it says that. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna die me yeah no. i will uh, one day that is you know what but you but, are right but we you're gonna be happy die. about it <laughs> we all d- yes you are wise you are a wise one we're all dying every day right we trelawney are. we are so let's live in the present <laughs> or for people like me who can see the future oh, oh. we may be there as well and scene. Uh. <laughs> I loved that. Or she was like, oh, we don't all need to do well on tests yet because you probably didn't. <laughs> all right, we got some. Uh, we know why you're at this school. We're, we're Dumbledore's fi- like, I got to hold on to you, we finally, spider monkey. We finally got some, uh, uh, what's it called? Emails? Uh, e- well, no. Well, yeah. Well, yes, we've always had emails, but we're finally getting, we have some time to get to some of the emails. Yes, we do. All right, you ready? Here we go. Miles here. All right, I'll do the first one. This one comes from Sophia. Hello, she says, Sophia. What is your least favorite Harry Potter character? Mm. Tell you mine right off the bat. Okay. Justin Finch Fletchley. Oh, we, yeah, we knew JFF sucks. He yeah, sucks. All right, who do you got, Mary? Uh, Professor Sinestra. Who the hell is Professor Sinestra? Point proven. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could have been like, yeah, that guy, Steve. Yeah. I'd been like, yeah, okay. There yeah, you sure. go. Yeah. Wait. I feel like throwaway characters uh-huh. who have a presence but don't do anything. What are you doing? Yeah. Why are you what, taking what up we, space? Yeah, you're wasting my time. Exactly. Justin Fitch actually had a purpose. Yeah, to suck. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there you go. What like. you getting at here? Uh, number two, non-Harry Potter related question, but what is your favorite Harry Potter food? Hmm. Butterbeer. Oh, shepherd's pie. It's actually something that Harry ate in this chapter, and I got really excited well, because I love shepherd's pie as well. It, 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 see, this is, a, this is a multi-layered question. Is it? Yeah, because does it have to be Harry Potter specific, or is it just Harry Potter adjacent? Like, to me, shepherd's pie is Harry Potter adjacent. It's not Harry Potter specific. Butterbeer is specific, Right. Fine. Yes, Blake. I, no, is. I'm just. I'm just wondering. Okay. Yes. I'm just wondering. No, Harry eats a lot of normal food. Sure. I love butter beer as well. Okay. All right. Fair. Uh, lastly, if you could stop any Harry Potter char- character from dying, who would it be? Mm, great question. Remus Lupin. Ah. Okay. Uh, do, do you have a reason? I just feel like he had a really. He pulled the short stick in life, and at the very end, he gets to have love and have a kid, and then he's dead. Yeah, that sucks. For me, I would say Sirius Black. I think uh, I I really love Sirius. I think he is he is good, a, a good person, uh, a, a representation of what it is what I actually Mary and I have said this multiple times where we want 
our God parents that we choose for our children to be serious black, mm-hmm. you know, to, for the, for our children. Um, I, and I think Harry deserves his at least some modicum of family outside of the Weasleys. I think he deserves a direct connection to his parents. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily have to be like blood. It doesn't have, but Sirius is a direct connection. However, big however, another person that I would love to stop dying, mm-hmm. Bellatrix. Interesting. I would love to stop that because <coughs> if there was to ever be anything after this, mm-hmm. Bellatrix being alive through all of this, Model and that'd be awesome. Oh my god! Especially if she teamed up with like Martha Stewart and they had like, you know, prior previous convicts TV show. <laughs> like if she was on the View or something, she was like the spicy one on the View. Oh, the one that didn't care about what she said. Yes, she's just gonna say it regardless. Love it. I would love to have her as like a political commentator. Oh my god! I would yes. love to have her as like the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade commentator. Oh, oh as like. Like the the late night. Um, oh yes, for like the Olympics. Yes. What the hell is that? She's. <laughs> you call that a sport? Like the after dark hours after Johnny Weir and what's her name? After they're done with the ice yes. skating, then it gets to Bellatrix. Yeah. And Bellatrix just she and Tanya Harding. Yeah. She, she and Tanya. <laughs> That's the team. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. For you younger listeners, go ask your parents about Tanya Harding. That is a fun- great poll, Mary. Great poll. All right. Uh, the next one I have here is from Megan. She, and Megan, you all right? Sorry. Yes. Uh, you, we okay yes, here? I'm okay. All right. Good. This one comes from Megan, and she says, I've been listening to your Potterverse podcast for some time now. It's been keeping my commutes in and out of Los Angeles, entertaining through all the traffic. Yay. I've been wanting to write into you, but wanted to wait, though, until I caught up into the released episodes. And she just finished Order of the Phoenix Chapter 6. What you guys were talking about in that particular episode made me finally write in. Nice. I grew up not knowing anything about how Harry Potter, but my good family friends were obsessed. Both their family and mine are really big. They have 11 kids and we have eight. Oh my word. That's a lot of freaking kids. Holy smokes. And whenever we'd get together, it was a madhouse, but in the best way. We would usually spend our time acting out movies we liked, where everyone would be assigned characters. I remember a few times they would try to suggest we play Harry Potter, but my family knew nothing of the series. So it never really ended up happening. But what I do remember is that they would always make me Ginny Weasley because, well, I'm the token ginger. Of ah. the Fast forward to years later when I was in junior high and my parents allowed my older siblings and myself to start reading Harry Potter. It quickly trickled through the family and all of us were definite Potterheads by then. And when I started reading the series, I remembered how in the past my friends would say I was Ginny. So I was reading and I envisioned a person, uh, I envisioned a version of myself as Ginny when mentally visualizing these characters. The Order of the Phoenix quickly became my favorite in the series because when it, it it's when we as the readers truly see the strength, sass, and amazing qualities of Ginny Weasley. 
You really spoke about that during the chapter, uh, during the chapter six podcast. And as I listened, I was nodding along and agreeing with everything you were saying about her character. And I remember being so disappointed with her betrayal in the films, not the fault of Bonnie Wright, of course. And I really wish those that who hadn't read the books could see the strength of her character. And even when I started expressing my love for acting and started into the industry, I had some family and friends telling me I would make a great Ginny. If only. Anyway, I guess just to sum it all up, I want to say I agree with Blake that this book was the best in the series. Of course it is. You want to know why? Because I said so. That's why. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I just love how it's not only Harry, Ron, and Hermione facing the final battle at the end of the book, but some other characters are seen for their bravery and power as well. Thank you for making such an entertaining and magical podcast to brighten up even the dullest of commutes. I can't wait to hear much more and hope I can eventually tune in for a live episode or two one of these days. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, you know... uh, That was was Megan? That was Megan, Megan. Megan, thank you so much. Of course, you know... It is the best book. I'm glad that you agree with me because I'm right and that's just how it works. That's how it works in this game. I'm right. (laughs) You drive me crazy. Yeah, but in a good way, don't I? Sure. <laughs> All right. The next one comes from Marine. She says, I had to write to you after listening to the latest episode of the Potterverse for which Reese participated oh. because that little lad is just brilliant. Thanks. How old is he again? I'm going to let Blake finish this episode. Our dog is going wild, so I need to see what's going on. I can come back if I can, but if not, you've got this. You've okay. got the emails. All right. Fair enough. Uh, our little lad, he is 10 years old now, which is... Uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I, I can't believe that he is <laughs> that old now. Oh my god. Anyway, yeah, he's ten. So he, uh, Marine continues on saying that he was so well versed in the wizarding world and and has such a great vocabulary. Well, thank you. Uh, and so many great points. I'm impressed. Can he chime in more often? Also, I noticed he mentioned his imagination getting better. And that made me think that if that is not already the case, I think that he would thrive playing Dungeons and Dragons. Also, there are unofficial TTRPG games that are Harry Potter themed that he would probably like to do. That's all for me as always. Love your podcast and look forward to continuing this Harry Potter journey with you all. Well, thank you, Maureen. Uh, yes, um, if the nerds want more of our little lad uh, joining the podcast, I'm sure that we could make that happen. Uh, we thought it was fun uh, to, to have him on and to discuss things. Uh, but we also don't want to have too much of a good thing, <laughs> right? So if uh, if the nerds want um, our little lad to join the podcast more often, um, you know, send us a message, send us a DM or an email and, and say, yeah, I, I, you know, say, just say, say the phrase little lad, okay? Say that phrase in a DM or an email or, you know, whatever, or as a, as a comment underneath the posts when we advertise this episode, uh, something along those lines. That way we have a good idea of who would want him to return. Uh, Cause I know he is not short of words. <laughs> uh, and uh, actually he and Mary are working on some projects of their own right now that I think might be interesting. Um, but as far as your recommendation, Marine for Dungeons and Dragons, well, 
it's actually kind of awesome that you say that because he is going. He is playing Dungeons and Dragons now. Uh, as a matter of fact, he uh, he just he's taking classes and he's doing this whole thing and he's been into it now for the better part of a couple of months, which is really great. Uh, so I'm excited about that. The next one comes from uh, actually we got a, uh, a voicemail, Mary. Um, and I will play it. Hold on one second. Let me just let me bring it up here because I gotta I gotta get the thing. All right, here it is. Okay, uh, Marvin, you want to hear it? Sure. All right. Hey, Mary, Blake, Andres. This is Kevin from Canada again, and I'm so happy you read my email on your podcast. Hey, Kevin. I know that Reese said I made his day, but when he remembered me and gave me that special shout out at the end of the show, he absolutely made my day too. <laughs> So when he said he was sorted in Slytherin House, my fist went up in the air in triumph. That's right. I wanted to send this clip to formally welcome you, Reese, to Slytherin House. Oh. I was pretty surprised, to be honest, when I was sorted myself in Slytherin, especially when it kept happening every single time I did a new sorting quiz. But I've come to realize over time that the books were quite prejudiced against Slytherin. That's right. Because it was told from points of view of characters in the other houses. Those sorted in Slytherin are usually dedicated they're ambitious, and they seize opportunities when they're offered. I think Slytherins actually show a good mix of Ravenclaw and Gryffindor traits, yep. mm -hmm. as they use both their mind and their heart to achieve their goals. So, Reese, I hope you can embrace this house and, you know, look past some of the more problematic characters that were in Slytherin in recent times. Even the Sorting Hat recognizes the talents and the greatness that are associated with Slytherin. Mary and Blake, you'll probably hear from me a lot now that I'm a Nerd Clan member and listening to your episodes as soon as I get a notification. <laughs> but I'll let you judge which emails to read on the show and which to just ponder over as you prepare for recording. Again, special thank you to Reese for making my day, and I can't wait to hear from you the next time that you join your parents on the Potterverse. Peace and love from Kevin in Canada. Yay! All right, Kevin in Canada. I love it. By the way, uh, Kevin, nerds, you're awesome. nerds, if you ever want to leave us a voicemail or whatever, you can just go to maryandblake.com. And if you have some comments for us that are audio based, uh, it's the same process that we have for all of our other podcasts. Just go to maryandblake.com, check on the uh, contact button. From there, you'll see a voicemail tab and you'll be able to send us a, a, a voicemail just like that directly right to our mailbox. And uh, we can play any questions, comments, concerns, or any any other ideas you want us to go over for the, the, the Potterverse. We'll play them right on the air, just like that. All right, Marvin, we got one last one. Okay. Um, and unfortunately, I don't have the name of the person here, so I apologize. Oh, no, I got it. Never mind. I was wrong. This one comes from Ashley. Okay. Hi, Ashley. She says, Mary Blake, I am listening through and just got to the conversation about why Harry didn't see the Thestrals on his trip leaving Hogwarts after the Triwizard Tournament, but then saw them at the beginning of his next year. Another person wrote in to say that maybe it was because he didn't actually see Cedric die. This could be true, and it could be that over the summer while he was having the nightmares of that night, they were actually partly from Voldemort's perspective, which is the Horcrux connection and Voldemort being back. Harry himself didn't see Cedric die. That's why he didn't see them leaving school. But then... Over the summer, as he had the date, as he had the dreams, partly from Voldemort's perspective, he fully witnessed the murder, leading him to the Thestrals, leading him to see the Thestrals in the fall, returning to school. Just a thought. Love the podcast. Your thoughts, Mary? This is amazing and wild and awesome. I kind of like it a lot. <laughs> I think this is crazy. a great take. Yeah, this is a great take. 
Uh, so Ashley, good job. Very good. Uh, you know what? I'm going to give you this. Bam! Just like that. A winner! I, I think that was a phenomenal take. All right, Mav, you got anything else you want to say for this episode? No, I don't. All right, want to close it out? Sure. Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you so incredibly much for tuning into this episode of the Potterverse. We are just so lucky to have you in this fandom alongside us as we get to divulge into every single chapter and the whodunit and the whys and the extra meetings behind it. Thanks for nerding out with us. That's what we're here for, man. Everybody loves something, right? And you don't be afraid of what you love. Mm-hmm. Come out here, nerd out with the other nerds that are just like you. We're going to geek out about things. We may not always agree. We may not always have the same ideas, but the idea really is to come here and just love on the stuff that Make we Make it do. a community. Why Speaking not, of community, man? of course, we want to thank our friends like Kevin, who are members at jointhenerdclan.com for as little as $2 a month. That's less than a cup of coffee. You can help keep the lights on in our studio. We got a lot the of website fees going on. <laughs> you can't see them, but lot. we got them. We're not part of like a mega podcast conglomerate. A lot of these podcasts that you listen to or you see, um, they've got like massive sponsors and backers yeah. and all this stuff. We don't. And we don't. We We're are like a, McGonagall. Screw the man. Yeah, we are. We are <laughs> mom and pop podcast shop to the to the max. So we appreciate your support. On that note, my name's Mary. My name is Blake. And you've oh mischief managed. <laughs> Get it right, Marvin. Sorry. Protect the anchor. Our dog is like chasing the cat. (laughs) I hear hissing. It's chaos. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 